Welcome into another edition of Inside Carolina's Day After. That's Buck Sanders, that's Jason Staples, I'm Tommy Ashley, and we are title sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Uh, you know, we, we, we talked a little bit off air wondering about what to talk about with this show. And I, and I think I'm going to go this way. I think I'm going to give each of you overall thoughts on what you saw Saturday against Campbell. And then we're going to sort of move off of that into the rest of the season. Because this is where the, the season on the brink for North Carolina gets fired up this week going into Duke. But Buck, 59-7, to North Carolina beats Campbell after a sluggish start. Overall thoughts on a game that was always in the win column, but there was a lot more that needed to be accomplished. Well, number one, my major thought is, uh, so far as I know, nobody got hurt, which that's that's one of the things you want to come out of out of a game like this with is not avoiding additional injuries. Um, it was good to see a lot of the younger players um, get some run and. You know, that's and, – and players that are typically never going to see the field, uh, except in a game like this. And and if this game is much tighter, uh, they don't get as much run as they did. But, you know, a lot of these guys spring and fall and they're up at 5.30 in the morning and weight room and this and that and the other, and they're cannon fodder for um, the starters and, um, I mean – I'm not trying to draw uh, cast aspersions on uh, Taylor Viplis, but I mean uh, he he did more than his share of being a a tackling dummy for uh, you know the North Carolina offense back in the day. So uh, it's great to see those guys get some run. They're you know high school friends and family and people they go to church with and whatnot uh, gives them something to uh, talk about today. So I think that's a, another big part of what what happened yesterday and why that's a good thing. Indeed, Connor Harrell gets some run. Chris Culliver gets a touchdown pass. A ton of guys. I'd love to see the participation chart. I mean, it's got to be everybody. Um, Jason, sort of speak to that and also speak to what you saw against Campbell. Well, Again, I, I you know having been uh, a practice dummy myself, uh, I, I wholeheartedly endorse what what Buck said that this kind of game is important, really important for for those who recognize that they're not uh, that they are going to go pro in something other than sports, as it were. And uh, and it was good to see a lot of those guys get out there late. I think also this was one of those games where, and you know, the hope was this year that there would be more of this over the course of the season in terms of getting uh, some blowouts against teams that are not quite as good as you so that you can get more time for some of the guys that are going to be important for you down the line. Uh, so, you know, I think just getting four pass attempts for Connor Harrell was something that's, you know, not nothing. I mean, they, they needed to get guys like Culliver and, and Connor Harrell and some of the, the backup, uh, the, you know, your third string type guys on the, on the lines and 
uh, fourth string type guys on the lines, guys that are going to play next year, getting them some opportunities to play while the lights are on, I think is, is important and uh, getting a chance too for the coaching staff to see, okay, what's this guy really look like once the lights are on is, is important as well. So, I mean, there's only so much you can gain from, from that, even, even, you know, even when the lights are on in this kind of game, I mean, you're, you're still not, you still don't know how that person's going to respond against comparable talent in that situation, but it is, it is a step forward. It is an important thing to be able to see. So, uh, you know, if anything, I'd have liked to have seen some of those young, younger guys or, or, uh, backups a little bit, a little bit earlier, but, uh, uh, you know, I think I think they they all got a fair amount of time, and that was that was really important. One thing that had um, folks a little bit twisted up early, Buck, is that Campbell appeared to have some success running tempo. And I want to talk about this is, I think, the one thing you do carry forward um, aside from the younger guys or the guys that don't play a lot getting reps. Is Campbell was able to give North Carolina issues with tempo buck did you see that or is that just my imagination muted there too gotcha mm. time change got okay him. all right <laughs> uh let me uh, go this way there we've noticed you know especially against virginia and georgia tech that teams uh, like running tempo on north carolina uh, and uh, campbell uh, possibly picked up on some of that but um, looking at it on the season, you know, this is not a new thing. I mean, we have just kind of – it just kind of stood out in relief in the uh, Georgia Tech and the Virginia games. But North Carolina, their average opponents are uh, running the uh, – snapping the ball 24.1 seconds per play. That's ninth in the nation. So – Teams are, have been running tempo on North Carolina all year now. Part of that seconds per play we have to throw in uh, comes from the fact that teams have been playing behind against North Carolina a lot um, this year. So uh, they were snapping the ball a little bit quicker in the third and fourth quarters trying to catch up. So that's part of the equation too. But still, uh, in the top ten nationally, of seconds per play uh, for North Carolina is a thing, and getting in get a getting a hold of that ability to um, play against tempo is something that uh, I'm guessing is going to be a huge off-season focus. I don't know how much you can correct it in the three games they have remaining, but uh, yeah, it's a thing, and it's something that they need to concentrate on going forward. Ben Sherman just uh, posted the snap counts on InsideCarolina.com. If folks are listening, can check out those as well. Cayman Rucker, 57. It's too many. Too many. Javari Ritzy next up with 31. Cedric Gray and Power Eccles with 50, 55 apiece. Um, too many, especially in a game like this. But, Jason, let's talk about this tempo issue just a little bit. I, I always – this is my uneducated view of it. If you are a defense and a team is running tempo on you, just keep it simple. Run your run something and don't try to have a bunch of different variances in it um, when it's going super fast. So how does a team deal with tempo that struggles with tempo? How does North Carolina get better at dealing with this tempo issue? If Campbell's giving them issues, 
um, in the first quarter especially. Um, how do you, as Buck said, how do you get better at it in season when you still got a month left to go? Well, I mean, there's a few things. One, one is that you're right. I mean, one of the things that tempo forces you to do is to is to play your base calls more, and that's one of the reasons that teams run tempo is they want to keep you out of other types of calls that might cause them trouble. So they want they're they're basically they know if we speed up, they're going to have to be in one of these two or three calls. Uh, so you know that's that's part of it i mean the, the the general rule of thumb for me defensively is if you're going to be facing a lot of tempo you have to have a base call that your the rest of your your whole defense knows like if i don't get the call we're probably in this call <laughs> that's what i mean right? so you don't have bust of right so that. it's it's you know just just operate along the, these lines now the problem is that all those base calls are the kinds of calls that are going to get you some one-on-ones against certain looks. And if you have guys you're trying to protect, if you have guys that you, that, you know, maybe can't do certain things as well, then sometimes that exposes those guys, right? That's one thing. Another thing is that, you know, teams don't just go tempo. Now they go tempo specifically to throw little things at you. So I'll give you a good example. Yesterday in the uh, in the Pitt Florida State game, Pitt gave Florida State a good bit, you know, all they could handle early on, and then that game kind of got broken open on a tempo play. Florida State went tempo, and they lined up a tight end at at at, uh, at offensive tackle, and their offensive tackle on the other side at tight end, and quickly threw a seam up the uh, uh, to that tight end who who released, and Pitt never had time to identify him as a as, as an eligible receiver, right? Teams do this now where it's not just tempo for the sake of tempo. They go tempo with some weird formation with, you know, formation to the boundary and a nub that they haven't shown for a while. And all of a sudden, the, the problem isn't just the, the, the call. The problem is, okay, okay, they're going fast. They're going fast. Uh, 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 he's lined up over here. We, we got to get our check over. And it's the communication of you can have the call. But you still have to figure out who's got what gap against what front, against what look, who's got who's matching with what receiver, and getting that sort of thing down is sometimes the bigger challenge because you still have to communicate on defense. And you know, part of the part of the the thing that makes it trickier is that you know modern modern defenses you're you're matching up as much as anything, and so sometimes. You you know if you're gonna go if you're gonna go against tempo sometimes you you spot drop sometimes you do things where okay we're not we're not even gonna match we're just gonna we're gonna drop to our spot here you you do some of that stuff but then that's changing a lot of who you are as a defense and you know you start spot dropping and teams start having guys open so there's a give and take here the thing that really wrecks tempo is if you've got guys that that can get penetration and wreck the offensive line and. You know, th- we've talked about how many times this season have I come back to, well, they really need to get better play from the defensive line, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? The thing that wrecks tempo is that, and then having the having guys that can handle one-on-ones. Your defenses that, that do well against that stuff have really good corners, which I think Carolina's got some pretty good corners. They have safeties that are not match-up liabilities, and they're not liabilities against the run, and they have disruptors on the defensive line who, who get penetration and Carolina has not wrecked teams 
with penetration a whole lot this year. And, and that's going to make it, that's going to make it tricky. That's going to make it tough at times because it's a team that depends on being able to do some blitzing and do, do some other stuff to be able to get more, more pressure to be able to get penetration and all of that. And you can't do as much of that against tempo. Yeah, it's an interesting take, um, but it all comes back to your point there at the end. It's all about defensive line, defensive tackles. Uh, you can do a lot of disrupting, and teams can't do a whole lot when your defensive line wears you out up front. Buck, um, anything else from the Campbell game? I see some people in the chat wanting us to talk about the end of the first half. Not sure what was happening there. It looked like they tried to sub before they spiked it and then sub in to get a field goal somebody uh, and I'm, I'm telling you players players rarely run out there like that so somebody probably called for a you know what you've got is you've got field goal quick you're, you're you're getting field goal ready and somebody whether it was one of the players who's you know a leader or whatever uh when they saw them line up thought okay it's turbo time to get out there and kick our extra point or uh, the field goal quickly it was either that or one of the assistants or you know whoever is in charge of uh of getting that out there called you know the 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 code word for get out there quickly and it was misunderstood that's basically the way that's going to work and folks started running out there as they're getting ready to do their their uh uh their spike and you know it's easy to easy to have happen but you've got to have better better stuff uh better protections in place to system to systemically avoid that kind of thing from happening. I mean, that's the sort of thing that'll lose you a game against better competition. And uh, I mean, everything else was fine. They were in position to get the spike well done. They, they executed it well on offense. They had the field goal team ready and in position. I mean, simple, but it's, you know, a stupid mistake where somebody runs out there or I, I suspect if I were going to guess that, that one of the assistants hollered the, the, the code word for get out there quickly and all those guys started running out there and, you know, like, no, 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 not now. <sighs> well, like, it reminded me, Buck, of the Music City Bowl there at the end where everybody just started running on the field with like 20 people on the field trying to figure out what's going on. Buck, last thoughts on Campbell. Uh, you mentioned the young guys. And I referenced the snap charts or the snaps. And if folks get on Inside Carolina Premium Board, um, in addition to getting your Johnny T-shirt discount, you get stuff like this. Uh, the snap counts are fascinating. Uh, like we said, Rucker, way too many. Cedric Gray and Power Echoes, too many. Um, but so many names that I would wager that 90% of the casual observers hadn't heard. And, and getting those guys opportunities is certainly a good thing. But, but last thoughts on Campbell before we take a short break and look ahead. Yeah, just following up on something that Jason said, um, you know, I spoke to the guys that, you know, are not to speak in, in a derogatory fashion, the, the tackling dummies, but um, seeing guys that are going to be part of the North Carolina's future, one – guy that just has stood out to me since the very first time I laid eyes on him is Tyler Thompson. Um, he looked really good in the spring game. And now at that point he was going against lesser competition, you know, third or fourth string guys, maybe, uh, but against Campbell and also your 
going stepping down in uh, competition level. But he's going to be a player. I mean, it just looks like he's going to be a player. Um, and, and some other guys stepped up that uh, caught your eye. And I think the overall impression is that in the first several classes that Mac had, there were a lot of really big-name guys um, that uh, just didn't really pan out on, on defense. And we're seeing some guys, I think, uh, coming up that may not have been quite as highly ranked that look like they're going to be ball players. So uh, I just toss that in as a final thought on the Campbell game. 27 yep. guys on defense played more than 10 snaps. That's that good. Is... That's good. I do see a few names on here that I, I would have liked to have seen get significantly more snaps. But, you know, I, I, would, I, I wanted to see Sebastian Cheeks get more than five. I wanted to see Randy Caldwell get more than four. Uh, you know, a few of those guys, I mean, I wanted to see uh, both uh, J. Bron Harvey, Harvey and Tyler Thompson get more than 11 and 14, respectively. I wanted to see those guys a little earlier. Uh, and, you know, a couple of these guys up at the top of the list, whether that's Power Eccles, who still had 50, uh, Cedric Gray, who had 55, Cayman Rucker, who had 57. You know, some of those guys I would have liked to have seen with half that workload and, and share that down the list a little bit more, but still good to see those guys. And, and a couple of those guys look good in their, in their, in their uh, small action. I mean, Cheeks and Caldwell moved well. Uh, you know, some, some good indicators there, but those are guys that are going to be needed next year. And, you know, they're going to be playing without a whole lot of experience. Yep. And given the way bowl seasons go um, and, and bowl games go these days, possibly needed in December, <laughs> uh, you know, whenever, wherever that shakes out uh, several of these guys. Anyway, I want to take a second to talk about Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com, sponsors of the show, title sponsors of these shows and all of Inside Carolina's podcast content also friends of you if you're an inside carolina premium subscriber like i said you get the snap counts you get jason's articles you get bucks column bucks columns always on point not mm. sure not sure how the man does it three times a week four times a week in football season and you used to do it set what seven days a week it was incredible yeah it's just i can't even my brain does not process and so not only do we talk about film breakdown and snap counts and all that kind of stuff and recruiting Bucks column's worth the price of admission as well. Inside Carolina Premium subscribers get that 10% off Johnny T-shirt and get all the swag you need. It was a little chilly to start that Bowles lot tailgate yesterday. Um, some of those uh, Johnny T-shirt sweatshirts and hoodies would have been helpful for me um, as I froze out there. And if you watch the Inside Carolina Live video, you could see a lot of shivering going on. Anyway, check them out at johnnytshirt.com. Check them out on East Franklin Street if you're in town. Of course, basketball season's here. They got all you can need. National guys will pay the bills. It's the day after a Campbell, Campbell game. North Carolina routes the Campbells 59-7. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. All right, guys, I want to get into the second portion of the show, but I'm going to go ahead and do my second ad discussion because that's Congruity. They are sponsors of these podcasts, and they're a new sponsor, but they're not a new company. They're a company that has a national presence and also a local presence, and they're here for you for your HR and payroll outsourcing needs They'll take care of your people in your small business, mid-sized business, while you have an opportunity to grow that business even bigger than you thought possible. Congruity does that. Top of the line technology, great customer service. They transform your organization into that small business, that medium-sized business, to a huge business. They've done it with themselves. They can do it with your business as well. Go to congruityhr.com front slash Tar Heels. If you're an Inside Carolina listener or viewer, you get that free assessment to see how they can help you with payroll and HR. Again, it's free. CongruityHR.com, front slash Tar Heels. Check them out, Darren and Matt. They're, they're great sponsors and friends here. They can be great helpers to your business world out in the real world. Buck Sanders, looking ahead. Duke on Saturday, 8 o'clock. We go from the extremes of noon to the other end of the Spectrum HCC network at 8 o'clock. Duke has struggled. Clemson looked great. NC State continues to win ugly football games. Uh, this next three stand, next three games, we've said all year, shape the season. How are you feeling going into them for North Carolina? Well, you know, early in the year uh, when their schedule was announced, uh, Mac Brown uh, had a little fit about it because he didn't want to play those three games in a row down the stretch. I think they shape up a little differently than um, they did at the beginning of the season. And I I don't know what the availability is going to be for Duke's quarterbacks. I think Leonard is done for the year. Yeah. Um, and uh, the the number two is done as well, right? So they're, they're on their third uh, quarterback. And although they won um, yesterday, he had like, 126 yards passing or something like that or less uh, wasn't great. So um, they they have made themselves into a uh, one-dimensional team offensively. Um, they don't have much choice about that, it appears at this point, although who knows, they might bring in a, a fourth guy off the bench and he throw for 300 yards on UNC. That would be the Carolina thing to do. But um, Duke is looking uh, pretty one-dimensional, and North Carolina's had good success against teams that uh, ended up being one-dimensional. The two losses they, that they had, um, both of those teams uh, were able to uh, run and throw the ball, particularly Georgia Tech. So we'll see how that goes. Clemson. Uh, I don't know how club uh, Cade Klubnik looked so great in the bowl game last year and has been so mediocre this year. 
I didn't uh, think I guess he looked great in the bowl game. Made him look great. What Not the bowl game, the ACC championship. Game. ACC championship game. Oh, yeah. I didn't think he looked great there. He just didn't have to do anything. He just tossed the ball out, and they just kept getting yardage. You know, he. he <laughs> I think his average depth of target was like three or four yards last year. Well, he hadn't even been able to do that this year, though. Yeah, I guess that's Buck's point. Yeah, he he he's took a step down from what I thought from the ACC championship game. Um. And Clemson just doesn't have the skilled athletes that they typically normally have, although they made Notre Dame look pretty bad. Um, so my expectations for that game were not great for UNC. I think they have a chance to win that. Um, and, you know, here's one thing to keep in mind that, and this is down to Drake May, North Carolina is, uh, is eighth in the nation in passing offense. And think about what Drake has had to deal with this year. Um, Tez was, uh, only able, has only been able to be in five games this year out of nine. Uh, Kobe Pessor was lost after five games. Uh, Nate uh, McCollum has only played in seven games this year. Um, North Carolina only has one receiver in the top ten in the ACC nationally, and they have no receiver in the top 100 nationally. But they have the eighth best passing offense in the nation. That's all down to uh, Drake May. And a lot of it is down to the tight end position, which is something that we have never seen before at UNC and might be a while before we see it again. Combined, they have 50 catches, nearly 800 yards, and seven touchdowns out of the tight end position. That's pretty amazing stuff. Um, the The final game against NC State, it's going to be a rock fight. Uh, NC State is going to be um, – off the chain hype for that game. Um, those games, you know, can go either way. And I, I want to say um, the home records for the teams are like reversed. I mean, you have, almost have a better chance of winning on the road in this game than you do at home. So we'll just see how that works out. But all three of the games I think are winnable. Uh, and Duke is not going to tempo North Carolina. I do not believe. They now, they, get, they run it some. Uh, I don't. I, I don't think we'll see a lot of that. Um, and the other thing is, when North Carolina gives up a first down, they give it up against the pass. Of of the first downs they've given up, a hundred and five of them came against came when teams threw the ball on North Carolina. And I think that has to do, especially in tempo, when people run tempo, um, the the default position for Gene Chizik is to kind of play off the line of scrimmage. And uh, the next thing you know, opposing offenses can throw at 10 yards and get the first down without breaking too much of a sweat because um, there's just not – they're not playing tight on the on the uh, wide receivers. Duke's not going to be able to do that. Uh, so um, 
we'll see. Clemson, I, they could go tempo. Um, NC State, not so much, I don't think. We'll see. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see how each uh, individual game shakes out. Um, but, uh, you know, these last three games, all of them are winnable. Uh, now, they're also all losable. So we'll see how that uh, the final st- story gets written in each of those games. All right, Jason, give us uh, common themes that you, at this moment in time, expect to see in the next three weeks for North Carolina. Three teams that are going to run the football. I figure Wildcat, 75% run the football, however they do it, for all three teams. Yeah, they are going to run the football. I mean, the interesting thing is I've thought for a while that Phil Maffa was actually better, the better back for, for Clemson this season and felt like he actually was getting fewer fewer carries than he than he should. And, uh, you know, yesterday he was the feature because uh, – because the the starter whose name is Shipley. escaping me for yeah Shipley, because Shipley was out, and Maffa went for 180 against Notre Dame, and that's a good Notre Dame defense. Just mashed them. Yeah. So Clemson is going to try to do that the remainder of the season, and they're going to definitely try to do that against the North Carolina defensive front that has shown itself vulnerable to getting run against. You know the last couple weeks. So uh, they're going to do it. Duke, as Buck mentioned, is, you know, they're not exactly a, um, uh, a passing juggernaut. Uh, thing is, even with Leonard, they weren't throwing it for 300 a game. Leonard's a really good quarterback, but a big part of what Riley Leonard brought to the table is, was that he's, you know, he, he's that, that basketball athlete. He's like 6'4". He's one of those guys that, you know, he's a lot bigger than you, than you think. You know, when you see him on screen and you see him throwing and then you like then you see him and see him and you go, oh, oh, he's big. Uh, you know, he's six, four and change kind of guy and, you know, will run through tackles and then is, you know, legit four five athlete. So the thing that Leonard would do is that, that he, he would he would be a, a tiebreaker for them in the running game over and over again and add an extra dimension. And, um, you know, Duke has another Grayson. Uh, Grayson Loftus is the uh, is going to be the starter at quarterback for them. He's he's their third guy. I would expect him to be the starter. Uh, and thing is, Loftus has actually thrown it well the last couple games for them. He he's thrown it pretty well. The reason that they beat Wake Forest down the stretch is he made throws. So they are two dimensional. I think at the quarterback position, the quarterback being able to make decisions and and put the ball on target. Reason they've not thrown the football super well this year is that they just don't have a bunch of playmakers outside. Uh, you know, they've got Calhoun really as a as a sort of speed guy, and that that's kind of it. But um, you know, they're gonna they're gonna run the football and they're gonna run it all sorts of different ways. Uh, you know, Kevin Johns is a uh, uh, he's a Malzahn tree coach. He was uh, Mike Norvell's uh, uh, offensive coordinator at Memphis. And that's the offense that he runs. And that offense is going to have eight different ways to line up and block, you know, counter or, uh, you know, some single wing stuff, you know, you know, uh, outside zone G, you know, different things that they're going to do. And they're going to find ways to, to make it difficult on Carolina's front. That's, 
That's great, right? And then, uh, and then NC State. We all know what we're going to see with NC State. I don't need to tell anybody. That's going to be a team that's going to try to ugly that game up as much as possible and try to, try to keep it from being a track meet and just try to win with physicality and just you know winning at the, at the point of attack. Carolina's going to have to try to make that a, a track meet game by, by beating one of the best secondaries in the country. So these are three games that, that are not, they're not the most favorable matchups in, 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 uh, in Carolina's favor that we've seen this year. Uh, and, you know, we'll see how Carolina plays. They're going to have to play well to win each of these three games. Uh, and, you know, starts with, with Duke this week. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, We'll talk about it all week, but I want to see if there's some flexibility in schemes, uh, both offensively and especially defensively going into these games because I think if you're going to be married to a, a certain style um, where you play, play one of those little round coins all the time against these three teams, Jason, I think we'll talk about this on the game plan. They're going to get whipped if they're not careful up front by Duke, NC State, and Clemson. And I think at this point, you got to figure out a way to beat Duke and State. And if, if Clemson, if you can get to Clemson, somebody in the chat asked about NC State and Miami. State dominated Miami, and Tyler Van Dyke kept throwing it to the other team. Um, yeah. And so there you go. Buck, last thoughts. I'm going to let you get us out of here. I told everybody we're going early and we're getting out early. I got things to do. Might be the last things to do, but I got things to do, Buck. <laughs> Close this show. Tell us, tell us what to expect with your column dropping here in a minute. Tell us what to, uh, what folks should be thinking about from the elder statesman of the North Carolina football program at Inside Carolina. I don't know if uh, I got the chops to, to uh, you do got all the chops. of that, but uh, one thing I will leave you with, and this is something that uh, we haven't seen in an extremely long time, if ever, that I can remember. But North Carolina is third in a nation in turnover margin. That random thing you can never predict, you don't know when it's going to raise its head, and you can't really count on it happening. Uh, but they're plus 12 on the year in turnover margin, which is unbelievable. Um, that's uh, something we have hardly ever seen from a North Carolina team, especially under Mac Brown. He's usually in the one to two uh, turnover margin total for the year. So uh, to be plus 12 is an unusual year uh, for North Carolina, and it's obviously something you can't predict. But it, we can at least hope for it, right? You know, uh, maybe we can uh, convince uh, Duke to put the ball on the ground a few times. Did they do that last year, Tommy? I think I remember them uh, putting the ball on the ground a little bit last they had year. A couple, they had a missed field goal, a couple bad penalties. Maybe, I can't remember, but, yeah, they, they, they gave that game away in, yeah. in Wallace Wade last year. And to Carolina's and, credit, and, they took and, it. Uh, North Carolina is uh, ready to accept all gifts that other teams <laughs> maybe want to uh, bestow them on the year. Tis, tis the season of giving. Um, one thing I, I will say that it needs to be a focus is the penalties and whether or not Let's they hope are, we don't get that crew again. Yeah, it's if, the same if, crew that gets North Carolina for that holding every time. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like whether or not it's a penalty, and that was an interesting question I asked Chip Lindsey last week, probably ask again, is how do you deal with guys or how do you – what do you say to a player who gets called for a penalty that probably wasn't a penalty but it costs you a touchdown? That, and, that one against 53 was brutal, man. Uh, I mean, it's and, – and it's happened multiple times for North Carolina and – continues to happen that'll get you beat in games like this coming up um so how do you clean up when you didn't make a mistake i don't know i guess it's i guess it's tough i don't know it's gonna be interesting to watch leading up duke north carolina eight o'clock next saturday night inside carolina live will be in the bowls lot one final time for the season uh, from five to seven join joey powell and myself a lot of content Congrats that- to carolina's field hockey team uh, yeah absolutely you know, everybody says, why is field hockey not as good as they have been? And I'm like, because the best player in the world is actually not able to play anymore. She's the coach, and yet they still manage to be number one and win an ACC championship. Uh, just impressive what's going on with that program. Uh, tons of content. Vip, Shot, Justin Jackson, new podcast with John Bowman. We'll be back with On the Beat. We'll be back with The Day After. We'll be back with The Game Plan. Stick with Inside Carolina. Thanks, everybody, for joining us early. Thanks, Buck and Jason. And thanks, Johnny T-Shirt and Congruity. Mm. Good luck, this Tommy. Is the last, it yeah, shall this be This is fun. the last time I talk to you, Tommy. It's been fun. Uh, I'm yeah. leaving. I'm, I'm, uh, cut, cut. <laughs> <laughs>